Good morning, everybody. Episode 5. Last episode was about vascular diseases. Today, we're gonna talk about tumors, more specifically about gliomas. A recent review from Delgado Lopez from the University Hospital of Burgos claimed that they will review the practical concepts regarding glioma. Because so much data on glioma research is released these days, they want to summarize what is really relevant for the clinicians in the field. As always, the link to the article is in the show notes. What the authors want to point out is that so much research on glioma is published these days that clinician lost overview on the situation. That's why they want to summarize all research in five aspects. These five aspects should bring us back on track. First, what about the signaling pathways involved in glioma formation? Then, secondly, genomic, epigenetic and transcriptomic features of the glioma. Third, the value of molecular markers and how it's important in the new WHO classification. Fourth, molecular and cellular heterogeneity and how it causes therapy resistance. For sure this heterogeneity will be very important in this article. Interaction between glioma and the immune system will be the fifth and last point. First, some background information before we start on our first point. You should know that mutation, with mutations in oncogenes and suppressor genes are responsible for tumor growth. Another important thing is that not only genetic, but also epigenetic changes are relevant for glioma. What is this epigenetic changes? These epigenetic changes appear in two ways. Gene methylation, which is gene silencing, and gene acetylation, which is gene activation. Also, the role of neural stem cells in tumor growth and for sure resistance is important in this article. Today, researchers think that because of these stem cells have the capacity to enter the G0 phase, um, the state of quiescence, this state is extremely relevant for resistance, as, as in this state cells are very resistant to chemo or radiotherapy. So, to bring us back to the five concepts, first signaling pathways, then genetics, then molecular markers, then heterogeneity, and then the immune system. First point, the major signal pathways in glioma tumor cells. Gliomas originate from the glial progenitor cells that grow resembling or astrocytic and or oligodendroglial cells. There isn't really an etiology for why these cells become tumors. Except in two circumstances. We've got certain genetic syndrome, like neurofibrosis 1 or 2, tuberous sclerosis, von Hippel-Lindau, Lee-Fremauni, 
Turcot, Gournay, and Cowden syndrome. Also, we know that gene damage due to radiotherapy treatment increases the risk on developing glioma. Now, what three signal pathways are important for tumor growth in glioma? We've got the RB pathway. RB is a suppressive gene, RB. A mutation leads to increased my mitotic activity. Secondly, we've got the TP53 pathway. TP53 encodes for tumor suppressor gene P53. Mutation of P53 can make damaged cells escape the natural saving system of cell death, apoptosis. And thirdly, we've got the P10, so P-T-E-N, NF1 RDK pathway. This pathway controls cell growth. Normally, P10 inhibits PI3K and NF1 inhibits normally RAS activity, all coming down to regulating tyrosine kinase receptors, RTKs, and these modulate cell cycle entry of tumor cells. If there is a mutation in this pathway, these cells will have a false regulation of the cell cycle entry and will increase the risk on um, developing a glioma. Second point, genomic, epigenetic and transcriptomic features of glioma. What can we say about epigenetic changes? Here, the key word is IDH1 or 2. A mutated IDH leads to hypermethylation and this is an epigenetic change of the transcriptional profile by inhibiting some genes and increasing expression of others. We know that IDH-mutated gliomas are also called G-SIMs, so G-C-I-M-P, which stands for glioma CPG island methylator phenotype tumors, and they, they are diagnosed typically in younger patients with having a better prognosis. This just as an example of how epigenetic changes are important in differentiating glioma tumors. What can we say about transcriptomic GPM subtypes? Based on 840 genes, gliomas can be divided in four groups. Classical, mesenchymal, neural and proneural. I could sum up in what way they are different, all based on the mutations found in these tumors, but again, this sum up, this summing up would be not good for your ears. So that's why I will stay brief on these four transcriptomic GPM subtypes. What do you have to know? Proneural gliomas typically have mutations in PGGFR, IDH1 or 2, and TP53. It overexpresses overexpresses genes associated with oligodendrocytes. And they are typically G-SIMP positive, yeah, because they are IDH1 mutated, and mostly are secondary GBMs, so secondary glioblastomas, with having a best prognosis of the four. The classical gliomas 
have an amplification of EGFR, a dilation of CDKN2A, and a low expression of P16 INC4A. Also, more expression of neural stem cell markers like Nestin, Notch, and the SHH pathways. Third, we've got the mesenchymal gliomas, where we typically see more mutations in NF1, TP53, and P10 genes, and a lot of mesenchymal cell markers like MET and CD44. For sure, CD44 is a mesenchymal signature. And lastly, we've got neural gliomas. These cells have neuron characteristics and they express NFL, GABRA1, SYT1, and SLC12A5 with astrocyte and oligodendroglial differentiation markers. As they are similar to non-tumor tissue, they typically are infiltrated with healthy brain cells. Now that we know a bit more about signaling pathways and the epigenetic and genetic underlying factors, let's have a look at how these tumors are classified today and how it's changed over the years. Third of the five points of today, how we came from morphology to molecular markers. Since the WHO classification of 2016, molecular parameters are introduced in the diagnostic protocol. The first step in researching a piece of tissue is still histopathological assessment. If glioma is confirmed, four molecular markers are determined. IDH mutation, ATRX loss, 1P19Q codeletion, and H3F3K27M mutation. First checked are always the IDH1 mutation, then typically the R133H point mutation, because this is the most commonly uh, mutated variant of IDH1, and secondly the ATRX status. If this is lost, this is a marker for an astrocytoma. In the article, we've got a very good algorithm on how pathological uh, researchers investigate the tumor. Now, on the four molecular markers that I mentioned, what are the most important things that you should remember? What can we say about IDH mutation? These mutations are found in up to 90% of grade 2 and grade 3 glioma. It is also not unsurprising that it is also found in 85% of secondary glioblastomas. And, and this is important, only in 5% of the primary glioblastomas. Mutation is useful for differentiation between gliosis and tumors. And not to forget, these IDH mutations have a prognostic importance, as IDH wild type has even a worse prognosis than IDH mutated glioblastomas. Then, what can we say about 1P19Q codilation? Shortly, 
or to be very short, this mutation, if you found it, it actually confirms that you deal with the oligodendroglial lineage of cells. The contrary can be said about ATRX status, because this mutation confirms an astrocytoma. And then a new entity that is included in the most recent WHO update is the H3K27M mutation. It is a mutation that is found typically in midline diffuse glioma. Typically, these tumors are found in thalamus and brainstem, so on the midline, and also preferentially in children. Typically, this entity has a mutation in the histone H3. And again, it's important for prognosis that it, because it actually confirms that the tumor will behave like a glioblastoma, so having a bad prognosis. The fourth point of this article is about the heterogeneity of the GBM. If the molecular markers that we just discussed learned us one thing, then it is the fact that they show very well the heterogeneity of GBMs and that these tumors can be seen as a complex group of disease. Even within one patient, different cellular subclones with multiple mutations can be found and are responsible for the resistance to chemoradiation. On a molecular basis, as we already discussed, GBMs are classified in four transcriptional subgroups with the prognostic significance. We've got proneural, classical, mesenchymal, and neural. And for example, in proneural GBMs, we often find mutations in IDH1, TP35, and ATRX. And in mesenchymal uh, GBMs, we often find that it, it's an IDH1 wild type NF1, and has NF1 mutations. This, of course, influences the prognosis. Another big study of Brennan et al. showed how variable recurrent mutations can be found in GBMs. For example, P10 is found in 31%, TP53 in 29%, EGFR in 26%, IDH1 in 5%, Tert promoter mutation can be found in the majority of GBMs. This shows why researchers are more and more considering a GBM as a unique case that will behave differently from any other tumor. Also, alterations in the RTKs can be found in GBMs. For example, EGFR is found in 60 to 70%. The PGFRA is found in 12 to 15%. Again, showing the heterogeneity of this kind of tumors. Important, therapy with RTK inhibitors has failed to provide any clinical benefit. At the cellular level, I just want to mention the tumor-initiating cells, TIC. These cancer stem cells are thought to be responsible for tumor growth, recurrence and therapy resistance. TICs in mesenchymal cells seem to be radio-resistant compared to proneural TICs. Researchers also found that TNF-alpha, tumor necrosis factor alpha, could change mesenchymal ticks into pruneural ticks, showing how microenvironment in a tumor can influence this, its transcriptional profile. Radiation increased CD133 in ticks, 
promoting resistance. Another fact is that ticks also seem to be resistant to Tamandel, as this agent selects resistant subpopulations. Ticks even seem to be able to transdifferentiate in endothelial cells, indicating how a GBM can build its own microenvironment. The last point I want to make is about immunological microenvironment in glioma. It is a quite young field of research, so I actually just want to summarize some interesting facts on immunology and GBMs. First of all, one found that GBMs can escape any immunological response because of the blood-brain barrier, but also because of a lack of lymphatic nodes. Also, it's been found that in the bone marrow, mature T-cells can be found, but they seem to be trapped due to a dysfunction of these cells that is induced by tumor cells. Another way of how GBMs influence the immunological system. Another thing that can be found is that there is an inverse association between overall survival and dependency on steroids. It is advised so to taper these steroids as fast as possible. One, think, one thinks that this inverse relationship is due to the immunological decline that is induced steroids. Strategies to enhance the immune response have been tested but were not very efficient. Vaccines from tumor lysates have been shown to increase overall survival for several months compared to vaccines against specific antigens, but as always phase 3 trials are lacking. Recently, in patients with recurrent glioblastomas, adenoviruses and polioviruses have been, tested, have been tested and showed a modest response in 20% of patients with increased overall survival. Although the RTK, MAPK and PI3K signal, signaling pathways alterations are a hallmark of the glioblastoma, one finds that targeted therapies have yielded very disappointing results. Also, other therapies on growth factor receptors, DNA repair, and epigenetic modifiers and immune checkpoints had no impact on survival. To conclude, or to summarize, all future tests until now have been rather disappointed, disappointingly. Now, I will have to finish um, the, summarize, the summary of this article by making one more conclusion. Looking back on these five points, we can say that even though the authors tried very well to make it a summary for clinicians, it is not such a good overview. I think the most important conclusion is on resistance. And the resistance of glioblastoma can be explained by invasiveness of the tumor and the molecular and cellular heterogeneity. The authors still suggest and believe in solutions. They talk about precision medicine, thanks to the molecular stratification. They think about combination therapies to avoid resistant subclones. And 
they ask if maybe agents that are more broadly targeting pathways instead of a single mutation variant can be a solution for the, tube, for the, tube, uh, for the future. The link to the article will be in the show notes. There is one good algorithm for how um, pathological research should be done um, on a glioblastoma tissue. And if you have any more questions, you can always contact me. Thank you.